Welcome back to another episode of the Unleash Business Podcast. Bill, so this week we got Adrian Panuccio, the General Manager of Midcoast Council. Yeah, his, his story was good. It's, um, you know, not, not the traditional business owner story that we, we have in, but um, yeah, I think there's a lot of learnings in it still for, for anyone interested um, and you know, just a, a good all-round story. For sure, mate. I found it interesting the pivot from um, sort of private enterprise into government. Mm. Um, you hear it backwards a lot That's of the right, time. Yeah. Anyone, anyone with skill ends up out of council because they can get a oh, demand a higher price. You sort of found that that calling to service, I guess. Mm. And, and even that transition from um, lawyer to, to manager, like that was a, a massive one as well. So, yeah. yeah, and he talks um, about a lot of the intrinsic differences and, and how it also crosses over a lot as well. So I think it's, um, it's worth a listen. Spend the next hour, enjoy it. We'll pass over to Adrian. I want to go back to high school, to be fair. Mm. Um, grew up in Western Sydney, so Western suburbs of Metro Sydney and a in a suburb called Smithfield. Most people don't know where that is. That's probably in between Parramatta and Liverpool. Um, it's a grounded area, you know, mm. um, play soccer, tennis, kick around with mates, um, get a sense of reality out there, which is pretty cool. Um, went to a Catholic school, which has given me a probably a, um, how would I put it, Catholic schools. It's more about a grounding of feeling of guilt yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obligation, but doing the right thing. So you yeah, get yeah. some good um, good grounding and doing the right thing, which is really important, and that I've carried that through. Um, pretty good academic at school, not great, sort of scratched my way through um, things that influenced me and my professional career. My dad got crook when I was in year 11. He got quite unwell. Um, mm. So I sort of became quite insular and focused on my study because yeah. I, mm. you know, I didn't really want to go out too much. I sort of sort of changed my mindset a little bit because I sort of had to. Yeah. So I buried myself into books for a couple of years and that sort of um, worked out that um, academically I did quite well. So mm. left my options quite open. I have a family of builders, um, not surprisingly. So mm-hmm. like, you know, dad was a brickie, got concreters. Um, we could build a house, we've realised quite easily. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side, I've got the stereotypical uncle that ran a corner shop, okay. um, which was good because, you know, it's always a great feat on a Sunday night. Yeah. But um, oh, that's what I had my grounding. So me and my dad got crook, um, buried myself in the books, didn't really have an inkling of where I'd end up. Mm. Um, but I thought, well, I did quite well. So my well, options were like broad as anything. Pretty open. But I thought yeah. I'll just carry on family business and I'll just, you know, um, did a bachelor of building. Well, I started it. Mm. I started it. So I got into that probably about a month in. Yeah. Mm. Um, dropped out. Dad was unwell that year. And I thought oh, I'm just going to just knock around with my dad and mm. – um, lay some bricks and help out. Um, Dad wasn't really working. He'd like to go out every so often. Yeah. So I took some time off. Um, I did ditch the bachelor building. It wasn't, I knew it wasn't for me, but I just did it because I thought I'll connect it to family. Natural. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was good. I was quite young, I suppose, a year out of um, high school, but at the time you want everything to happen at once. Yeah. So I did take the year off, enrolled in a bachelor of, bachelor of laws for the following year, um, chose to do a straight degree because I wanted to make up that time. Now, yeah. in hindsight, tells us like just a young punk, you've got Years. your whole lifetime, <laughs> yeah. but you don't realise it at the time. So That's I was right. keen on making up a year. Mm. So I did a Bachelor of Building, um, which was good. Um, career-wise, it sort of set me up, I suppose, because at the time I was working as a casual, mm. like at Kmart and just yeah. getting some cash. Um, 
dad had passed, me and mum, um, but working quite a bit. So four to eight every morning, then going off to uni mm. um, in the Arvo, um, which was fine. That was just part of it. Um, a lot of my colleagues at uni at the time were mates, um, just because of their, I suppose, schooling and connections. They were getting work as in large law firms as secondments or, yeah. you know, yeah. summer break type of work, which would have been great. I didn't have those connections. I didn't have it, one, because of family. Um, two, like my schooling or background didn't lend itself to get those opportunities. Um, so that was a little bit of a different um, way of getting into the workforce later on. So a lot of my mates were straight into the big law firms. I'm still friends with them today, but I just didn't, didn't, get, I didn't quite get there. Um, I was still saving a bit. I was earning enough as a casual to just muck around and do my thing and save a bit of cash, which was good. But um, I was fine. I was working quite a lot um, before and during uni hours. Good grounding though, so more than happy with that. My difficulty came at the end of uni. So all my mates, well, a lot of my mates went straight into a firm. When After you do a law degree, you're meant to do, say, six months practical training, yeah. then go to the College of Law, do some more study, then you get a practice certificate. Yeah. I found it hard to get some practical experience because I couldn't do that beforehand. What I did do was pretty much put out zillion resumes yeah. to law firms, pretty much free of charge, take it, I just need some hours up. And I got a gig at a place called Leon Law Firm, um, a young lawyer who just had done his two years practical experience and got his unqualified unrestricted certificate, ended up a law firm. And like, or South American based, Friday afternoons and nights were awesome. It was like a summer night <laughs> every week there. It was pretty cool. So that was good experience. I got paid bugger all. I was getting mm. paid more as a casual at Kmart, to be honest, wow. doing like Stacking shelves or yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, working for like Kmart Auto. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I earned more there, but you know, I put my hand up and they gave me just Skerrix, which was basically just um, mm. food for the weekend travel yeah. allowance. Yeah. But you know, um, I did it. I was happy to do it. Yeah. But what came from that was I got, I don't know, say I was there for twelve months, but I got um, every little bit because it was a general practice firm in the city. So I got like a bit of um, environmental law. I got a bit of crime. I got a bit of negligence. You know, um, it crime, probably crime, was a good first 12 months in that sense. Like yeah. you got it was to, awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And what I realised quite quickly was um, I didn't want a special – sorry, I didn't want to be a general practitioner. I found it really difficult for someone to come in and ask for advice mm. and not know the answer. Yeah. Um, I wanted to specialise. It didn't matter what it was. So that first 12 months gave me a ground – like various levels of law mm. – did a couple of land and environment court proceedings. So that's, you know, um, developer or homeowner come in and come to council and council either approve, refuse a DA or development application, there's an appeal right. So land environment court is where you take it. Mm. So I represented some, you know, developers slash or homeowners mm. on those matters. I thought that's pretty interesting and um, it was very, I, I liked it. I liked the fact that it was outside of wasn't crime, wasn't family, wasn't negligence. It wasn't that personal. Yeah. Um, you know, like you wouldn't be dwelling on it too much. It's more about, yep. Um, you got a ministry of law principles, which I do enjoy. Um, it was one. Of, it was one of my favourite things. I thought, oh, you know what? Um, try to get into a practice. Mm. I was going to say that would be pretty rare that people enjoy that part of it too, would it? Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, you got people when they study. I want to be a criminal lawyer. I want yeah. to be like you know, yeah, a prosecutor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Corporate's massive. Um, family, and I don't know. Family, like I did a couple of camp family law matters, and 
Wasn't your cup of tea? Not yeah. my cup of tea <laughs> yeah. at all. Family law would be the worst, I imagine. Yeah, crime was a bit tough. I represented some um, some heavy hitters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quite tri- – I won't go into particulars yeah. or matters, but it was it's quite confronting when you go down to – um go down to the cells and say, you know, sir, you need to um, put in $50,000 in our trust account, otherwise the barrister's not showing up to represent you. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, you get told that if he doesn't represent, I'm re- representing, I'm, I'm feeling me, I don't want yeah. to be doing this. I don't want to be the one. Um, and I think the more nervous you deliver that message, the, the oh, easier it is for, to get the money because no, I don't want this guy. That was tough. It was tough times. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I realised quite quickly that mm. wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, environmental law, I think that's great. It's a nice niche. So I did focus on going to the, some of the larger law firms that have good practices and I was fortunate enough to land a job at Phillips Fox. Mm. Um, and I was there for a couple of years there. And What well, age were you here about? Was, I don't know, mid-20s I yeah. suppose. Yeah, still still young, yeah. um, not married yet. I was about to be married I think. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you get access to that opportunity? Was that through friends? By now nah, have you built pathways uh, or you just got lucky? Just yeah, so I had a couple of um, – any viable court matters in that general practice firm and you sort of see some faces and stuff but all it was was just writing to the law firms that have those practices and just outline outline my experience mm. um i didn't i didn't really have any any ins yeah. so i was quite fortunate because those types of roles they mm. grab you when you're young and you do your summer clerkships that's what it's called yeah. summer clerkships then they put you in and they they rotate you around the firm mm. so you get a snapshot of everything so you're well grounded and then they'll, they'll place you mm. But I didn't have that. I just targeted and then I, I, was, I was fortunate I got in and it was Phyllis Fox at the time in the late 90s. I was one of the better um, practices. Yeah. I just realised I said lucky there. It's something we come across <laughs> a lot through this podcast is that people get incredibly lucky when they put in the hard work to, yeah. <laughs> to put themselves into position. Yeah. So. Gary, I, I like the golf analogies. Gary Player, the, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're chucking the work, it's going to come your way. Yeah. It just does. Hmm. So um yeah I, I suppose I was lucky but I did I did put myself out there yeah and I landed a good gig um again junior lawyers don't get paid much hmm. at all but I was probably I don't know if this is fortunate or unfortunate I'm gonna say unfortunate because um form of mental health it wasn't great <laughs> I was working for three partners at the time and that's quite a workload so hmm. one would start at eight one would start at nine and one would start at ten and then you know. Conversely, they'll finish six, mm. seven, and eight. Yep. So you're there from eight to eight um, doing a designated amount of billable hours. So if your billable hours are, say, six hours a day that you could bill, mm-hmm. you need to be there 12 hours to get it done mm-hmm. because right. otherwise, well, it's unfair on the clients. Yeah. Mm. Um, you just got to make sure it's done properly. So um, that was quite a workload. No, I, yeah, I was married by then because, um, yeah, it was like, good to be Bit married. Of stress, yeah. But yeah. it was just a stress yeah, on, tough. on um, being newly married. So, yeah. um did that for a period and then um, sort of thought, well, representing a hell of a lot of local government authorities, so lots of councils mm. and, you know, some really big developers as well. So that was awesome. Mm. Um, one of my first matters was, and some of the some of the other staff were a bit cheesed off with it, it was um, representing Meriton, well, as a solicitor, I wasn't the partner on the record or the lawyer on the record, but it was about affordable housing provisions um, and the ability of local government to levy financial contributions on developers um, was really, really interesting. That was mm. all administrative law principles and everything that I thought I'd wanted to do. And that was my first one in. It was massive. So yeah. that was that was pretty cool. But I was there for a few years. Um, you work and you learn, which is great. But you, you decide, you determine, 
you work it out quite quickly. You can do the work, which is good. So you thought, yeah. oh, I could do it. Yeah. Um, after all, I didn't want to be doing it and earning the money for everyone else as well. It could mm. be quite fair because you have to work quite hard. And they put you on a process where, you know, you're senior associate, then you're a partner, then, you know, you're a salary partner, then an equity partner. Like there's a mm. there's a train you jump on. Yeah. Um, so I was there for a few years and I sort of said, I had to chat with my wife at the time. Um, so, I, you know what, this is like pretty heavy, you know, like it's not, mm. I'm sleeping Big pretty stuff. much on a train type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think I'm just going to go alone or um, see how we go because mm. I've done my I've done my experience by then so I'll, I'll be okay. So I walked into the office one day and the partner who started at 8 a.m., um, I said, oh, mate, like um, I'm out. Mm. He goes, oh, well, where are you going to go? And I go, well, we'll just do do my own work for a while and we'll work out. I'll, I'm pretty confident I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, oh, Adrian, tell you, don't tell anyone. Just don't tell anyone. Get another job. Sort yourself out and then go. Wow. I said, oh, Chris, thanks. But to be fair, um, you're the firm's youngest partner and you're still here and you're incredibly efficient and all of that. But I don't want to be in a position where in 10, 15 years' time I'm still doing what I'm doing mm, and I yeah. need to change something. So unless I do something positive, there's not going to be a change. Mm. And as luck would have it, and at that time back in the late 90s, there weren't many in-house legal roles like yeah. at all. They weren't coming up. Um, I think Sydney City had a team, Sutherland had a team, Marrickville had an in-house. That's all I can remember. But North Sydney Council, like literally the day after, put out a role. <laughs> so that is luck. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. that's someone yeah, watching that's, over me. That's yeah. just arsey mm. as anything. Yeah, yeah. So um, that came out the next day and I thought, oh, man, awesome. Then the next day I got approached by some other large firms as well to say, heard you're moving or what are you doing? Mm. I was I sort of said, well, yeah, I'm moving, but I don't want to go to another large firm because it's the same thing. Yeah, There's no yeah, difference. Yeah. I saw the end. Just copy what, paste. What happens yeah. there. You know, um, so um, I had some other opportunities, but I'll put in for the North Sydney gig and I suppose I work in local government and um, I didn't appreciate at the time that sometimes it does take a bit of time to make a decision. Hmm. Um, I learned that in the late 90s. It took them almost like forever and a day yeah. um, to a point. And that was purely because like, People take leave and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is hindsight. Yeah. But um, I landed the gig. Um, funnily, so my mum's pretty proud old Italian, yeah. awesome cook, ridiculously good. <laughs> but she goes overseas. So when dad passed, mum hadn't been over to Italy for, um, well, since the 60s, right? So she has this big trip and goes to Italy. And she's probably spruiking on my son, Adriano, like, you know, he's, um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, you know. Lawyer. Lawyer, right? doing all this, really yeah. successful. Yeah. He's married and this yeah. and that, so proud. Yeah. So proud. So she gets back from overseas and goes, Ma, I quit. That's this way. Yeah, like I'm out. That's <laughs> all. And she swears a little bit in Italian. She goes, I go, she goes, where'd you go? I go, working for council. <laughs> <laughs> she, she called up the family. Yeah. She dropped. Adrian's out. Oh, she was, she didn't understand it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, she it quickly took her a sorted while. out her visa so she could get back to you. <laughs> she needed to get back there. She had another story to tell. So, um, but yeah, that was pretty funny. So she, um, she got it. But yeah, working at North Sydney gave me like two things. Doing private practice law work for years gives you a stack of capacity when you go to local government. Mm -hmm. Like it just does. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Because you need to be terribly efficient. And so I found from day one, 2001 at North Sydney, I just had capacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I started off doing pretty much land environment court work, Yeah, you know, and some of it was satisfying, some of it wasn't. 
Mm. Um, the big thing with any environment court is you're going to always have a party that's dissatisfied. It's hard to get a position where win-win. win-win. Yeah, you're yeah, going to have res- residences that are displeased because it's been approved, yeah. even though you got them a better outcome because you've conditioned it and you might have taken a height off a floor off of an apartment yeah. building, which addresses their concerns. They're still pissed. Yeah. Mm. But you're going to have a developer that's just didn't Not get what they wanted. Money. They've asked, yeah. too, much. Yeah. They've asked yeah. too much. Yeah. Like I have one case yeah. where this is North Sydney. It won't happen here. Mm. Carports are an mm. issue there because yeah. it's a tight built up area. So old mates put an application for a carport, just, or sorry, a car space with a carport on mm-hmm. it. Council refuse it because on street parking is at a premium in that part of the world. So if you've got a driveway access, you're taking away a car space. So the controls are there yeah. for good reason. Mm. It doesn't really wash here, mm. but it does wash there. Mm. And I was successful in quite a few of them. So you go, you run the hearing and, you know, they actually think, as the landowner, there's no way I'm going to lose this. Mm. Yeah. It's they just lose a carport. It and they're just dirty <laughs> yeah. as. Yeah. And, you know, like as a lawyer, like you're thinking, oh, that's not like – it's a good outcome for the council. Yes. Probably a good outcome for the, from the community, but the pragmatics around that, mm. it's like, oh, really? Yeah. Um, that's not the most satisfying part. But, you know, I did – It seems like a bit of a Dave and Goliath battle and your Goliath. Oh, no, not at all because it's honestly it was – it's me um, – They'll lawyer up. Like it's not seen. Yeah. They're lawyering up. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So they've yeah. got a team as yeah, well. So that. honestly, for those types of small matters, that's just I'll run it yeah. and I'll have um, my residents making their submissions. So that that's not quite Yeah, it. okay. The Dave, there's never a Dave, David and Goliath in North Sydney because you'd always have a developer that's cashed up and is going to yeah. run it. They're and they'll full of cash anyway. And yeah. they're going to run yeah. like more than what they're probably going to get. So mm. it's always it's always a bit like that. But I, I jumped in there, I had heaps of capacity. And what I did do early on was always look for more work. Mm. Um, so I started off just doing land environment court planning and development. And I said, well, I should be looking at doing the whole council, which sort of got that change, that helped. Mm. So it gave me a snapshot of the whole organisation. Then I'd sort of put in, you know what, if people are taking leave or whatever, I'm happy to act. So I was getting little acting roles throughout the organisation mm. because I had, one, I had capacity and I wanted to learn, um, which was really, really good. So um, fast forward to about 2000 and probably 10, I sort of – I'm going all right, smashing it, um, but then sort of get to a point where what's going to happen next in my career. So you sort of say, well, do I still want to be doing the lawyer work and whole counsel or do I want to do something else? Yeah. Um, I was sort of quite – either way would have been okay, to be honest. If I went lawyering, I probably would just drop down and I'd have opened my own law firm or, yeah. and go from there. That's fine. Um, what I did enjoy about local government, though, was as an industry where you could actually provide a pot- – like a contribution to the community and you can. Um, And you could see the outcomes. Whereas if you're litigating, you don't really see the outcomes. You're Mm. representing one party or the other. Um, It's quite litigious. So but I, you know what, I'll try to um, manage more than what I've been doing. So I sort of um, did some more study, did an MBA. And I don't know if this was luck or not, but um, role came up as chief operating operating officer at that council. I I landed that gig. I'm Mm. thinking around probably 2012, 2013, Mm. um, which was cool because that gave me responsibility in that role. And so by this stage, sorry, you're like 40, 45? No, I'm heaps heaps younger than that. Oh, really? I'm just, I'm young punk now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm heaps young. No, 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 I was, I'm in my thirties. Yeah. Um, But I've got good, I've got good grounding because I've done a fair bit of acting across the organisation. Yeah. Um, it's a workforce of 400 staff. I pretty much know the 400 staff by then as well, yeah. Yeah. which is really, pretty really good. Um, yeah. And the role itself, 
it was everything that no one else wanted to do. Mm. So like they created this job, which was essentially a 2IC to the general manager, which yeah. was like, you know, legal, which is fine. That's my strength. Procurement, the the governance stuff that people don't want to do, they'll come and see the lawyer. Like there's just mm. risk insurance, yeah. stuff that people would go, you know what, let's park it. Yeah. But they created a role. So I thought, oh, yep, I'll end that. Yeah. And I did it for a couple of, one, I wanted to further my career, but two, I wasn't keen on reporting to someone else if they got that job. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to lead a team. So I landed it. Now here comes the irony. So not long after all that, mergers start throughout local government, um, which was sort of funny because like North Sydney was meant to merge with Willoughby and Mossman and North yeah. Sydney were the merger, which meant that for North Sydney, North Sydney, they'll totally fine, no dramas of any of that, mm. uh, but not keen on merging with another council and there was a pretty clear policy position that we're not merging. Mm. What also happened with North Sydney around that time was that um, there was a performance improvement order and a, what was it called, a public inquiry. It was about conduct with between count, really between council laws. Um, and that was all a little bit unsavoury, I suppose, mm. and it, has, it does have an impact upon staff in the end. Yeah. Um, the general manager at the time left, which is fine. He, he got a gig elsewhere. Um, really good general manager. Learned a lot from him. Um, but I stayed around. So I was acting as general manager for quite some time, um, either indirectly because someone else was appointed or acting, acting. Yeah. Um, but that was really tough times for the council because, one, we have to respond to a public inquiry and a performance improvement order. Mm. So sort of help yeah. lead the organisation in that. Yeah. But secondly, um, advocating for the council position not to merge, mm. knowing the irony that I'm at a merge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I get all that. <laughs> but for North Sydney, it wasn't the right, Didn't right thing sense. for them. Yeah. So, um, and I knew the 400 staff. And from, from my perspective, I thought, well, and this is going to sound bad, well, what else, how bad can it get, right? Mm. So like if we lose, we merged. If we win, we're saved. I know 400 staff, I'll, I'll put my hand up and I wanted to lead it. Mm. which was really, really good because for that council, they were successful in the Land and Environment Court and we ran proceedings against the state. Um, went to the Court of Appeal. We didn't win all of, all of our points. We only needed to win one. So we were successful on more than one point and we won that. Mm. Um, got a cost order against the state. Um, it is what it is. That's, that's how that ran. Mm. But that, yeah. the council was successful in saving itself. Yeah. Um, but that gave me really, really good grounding and it really put me in a position where, you know what, um, I need to – not need to. Mm. I would really like to lead an organisation and deliver for the community um, and put ourselves in a good, really good position. So then... Through that process, you were acting as yeah, GM. At you the, were, you at weren't the back actually end appointed. Of it. You were just interim. Yeah, so you couldn't appoint a general manager at the time because you're, yeah. it's called a merger proposal period. And what they tried to do, they were squeezing councils on appointing general managers because if they appoint a general manager... Just going to you're going to get, yeah, yeah. you know, especially, yeah. especially in North Sydney because they're not, they were opposing it. If you're a council that was supporting it, yeah. You're a bit more confident. You're, yeah. you're a good chance of getting a gig. But yeah. if you're opposing it actively, like we're opposing <laughs> it, like to be honest, you're not hiding to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I had that attitude. Like what's the worst that could happen yeah. with a council that are opposing it? Mm. Someone sort of has to lead it. Right. If the worst is you're going to be made redundant at the end of it. Yeah. I'm, I imagine the impact of that unsettlement through that period could have been quite negative yeah like without that that structure of this person's our gm and they're solid and they're staying around but being in an interim position it might it would have been pretty hard to have led that team it was, it was only insofar as making sure the staff were aware of why mm. that was really it yeah and 
like I said, I'd been there from 2001. Yeah. So I know, I know, and I still yeah. do the majority of staff there. I certainly knew them all back in the day as mm. well. So for that stability was really important. It was really, the key was just keeping people informed. Yeah. Um, keeping the elected body informed because that's part of the function, but the staff, keeping morale up, yeah, I suppose, yeah. but keeping them part of the journey. So how do you communicate that though to 400 people? Oh, you do <laughs> depot meetings, staff emails. Yeah. It's like yeah. we do here, like. Um, it's the same thing. You just commit to going out and have a conversation, making sure mm. you, you know, you bump into people all the time, make yeah. sure you're available to have a conversation. Yeah. So you're wandering around, you're sending out yep. memos. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, more more staff emails, you know, there's weekly or fortnightly bulletins that go out. Mm. Um, and it's not, it's not gonna, it wasn't always focused, like, focused on merger because those things would just come up, Yeah, you know, mm. the next court date's whatever date. Yep, here's an update. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the result. Um, mm -hmm. This is what it means. So... That's that's the good part about it. Um, that's the easy part about it. That's just being yourself and being honest and having a conversation with someone. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure your doors open. I've worked for general managers and partners in law firms in the past where, you know, you walk past and the door's shut and go, well, why is the door shut? Yeah, how do um, I get in? How do I yeah, get like, some face time? And you might only be like, you might only work 10 metres away from the person. Yeah. And the door's shut mm, yeah. all day. Well, it doesn't have to be. Like, yeah. For me, like, I'm always open. I'm always happy to have a conversation with someone. And I'll yeah. always, I'll, I'll tell my staff, I'll tell the staff, like, I'm, I'm not great with names because we're a large workforce, but I certainly remember faces and I will say good day to people. Mm. And I'm more than happy people to raise concerns. Yeah. I think it was um, Sam Walton from Walmart uh, called it leadership by walking or something. Mm. Just that, that was his entire focus was get to the store, see the people and make decisions based on that. And obviously they relied heavily on data and whatnot yep. as the company grew, but the, the importance that he placed on that, face-to-face -face contact with the people on the front lines was was very high. Well, I think I think that's key and, you know, we could do – we could always do more. Mm -hmm. Like I'd, I'd like to get out to my depots more. Yeah. But you still got to have to deliver something. There's still, there's still some information to provide. So we, we do do quite a bit of work of training our – like a lot of our work, outdoor staff making sure mm. they're sort of um, understand our IT systems and they yeah. work the intranet so everyone's getting the same information at the same time. Mm. And that's just the body of work that – most organisations would be doing anyway, but you need to do the face-to-face. -face. And I imagine there's a big difference between North Sydney where density of employees, I imagine, is one building um, oh, com compared yeah. to somewhere like Mid Coast Council where you've got 10,000 10, square, square yeah, kilometres right. um, <laughs> of, of people and, and you have to have people spread that far. You can't. You that's can't get FaceTime with all of them, so no, you won't. So you have yeah. to you have to have to manage it, and you, yeah. you go out a couple of times a year to all mm -hmm. the, to the, to have your yard meetings there, mm. and then we'll do you know all staff Zoom meetings a couple of times mm. a year as well. That's how you have to run it. Yeah, North Sydney's a bit different. You could just have a meeting in the community hall. Yeah, get those or you indoor go down staff. The water cooler, or yeah, right. it, if it, everyone's in the same place, I imagine it's a lot easier. It's, it's a hell of a lot easier. And there's only a couple of depots. Here. Yeah, uh, there's only a few depots there to. Manage whereas we water roads, yeah. you know, we've got quite a few depots and libraries, you know, yeah, we have yeah. libraries, yeah. So, yeah. quite a few places to sort of um, shuffle around, yeah. but, but we get there, yeah. Um, which is key. The, so other, the other thing I picked up here is you're going from you know, managing zero people to managing 400 people pretty well. How did you find yeah. that learning curve? Yeah, I'm a CEO role, I, I had a team there, yeah. Um, but no, it was fine, it, just be yourself, yeah. If you're mm. honest transparent with staff and you're willing to put the work in, mm. it's fine, yeah. um, and just. Largely make decisions on data. Mm. Um, I was fortunate that we're in a an area or a period of a you know a sort of played to my strengths because 
I've got a legal background. I knew what we were doing. I knew what the council direction was. So yeah. I sort of played to my strengths a little bit. I didn't run the litigation. I sort of I managed the team that did. Yeah. And we had external barristers and lawyers and all of that. But um, I did play to my strengths a little bit. So that's fortunate, mm. I suppose, mm. out of a messy situation. And that council survived, which is great. But yeah. it gave me the confidence to go, yeah, I could do it. Yeah. Like I could do it. I've got more than, more than enough skills, experience and capacity yeah. to do it. And I you know, started looking for work elsewhere and I landed up here. Because one of the things I was thinking would have been difficult would have been going from law where, like you argue, but eventually there's a, a right or a wrong. There's a there's someone makes a decision and says this is what it is. Then you step into a position where you're managing 400 people and there's never a right or a wrong. When you, especially when you're managing a leading staff, there's there's always that dichotomy of of what's right this time versus what's right next time and there's so many variables and there's no one that you can say make this decision so that it's final and closed and, and case in point. Well, it's important to be as consistent as possible yeah. when you've got those types of situations. So you have a – like you need to lead but you also need to have a team that you you trust. Trust mm. is a massive – like trust is one of the mm. biggest things mm-hmm. um, that I need mm. um, in my team and, you know, you don't get far without it. Um, so – as long as you could trust your team and you have your – could be monthly, could be fortnight, whatever it is, um, your executive team meetings, then you flush out all those issues and, um, you know, you have, your, you have your disagreements or agreements in that forum and then mm-hmm. you move forward there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how you do it because you can't do it alone. You need to surround yourself yeah, with yeah. people that are probably better than you. Mm. Yeah. Um, to be honest, in a perfect world, like you've got to be confident in your own ability but I'm not a traffic engineer. Yeah. Um, I've got good grounding in planning legislation, but I'm not a town planner. Um, I'm not an accountant, but I need to have those skills to draw upon, which, yeah. is, which is key. And I like that point of being able to disagree, yeah. find the resolution between yourselves and then move forward. Yeah, that's totally fine because mm. you have to get that other opinion because yeah. they they might have more expertise in that area or more different types of experiences. Yeah. So you have to accept that. Yeah, and anyway, uh, Staff around, especially the last few years where it's been really difficult to acquire or, or retain staff, it's almost a lot of the talk or a lot of the cultural talk is about um, people pleasing rather than what's best for the organisation and being able to have those arguments or disagreements or whatever and come out of it with a resolution ultimately and eventually will build a, a much bit better, stronger team. Because if you just say yes to appease the person, they're just going to expect you to say yes again next time or to take their side or whatever. And sometimes that's that's behaviour. So Mm -hmm. like you – I don't know how this is going to come out. Yeah. But you don't want to – you don't want to be so reactive, I suppose, in one way or you don't want to create behaviour where, you know what, if I keep on complaining, eventually someone will say yes. Mm -hmm. As long as – no is okay. Mm, yeah. um, we all staff have particular skills and expertise, so it's okay to say no, but you need to explain it. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you've done that bit of a work and a bit of an education around the no, mm-hmm. it might be more accepted. So when it gets escalated down the line and it hit me or might hit um, the councillor's desks and I get asked the question, well, yeah, we've, we've explained it and we could we could be firm with it. Not firm, mm. but just consistent with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, what you don't want is, yeah, like just inconsistent decision-making along the line and then that will – that has an impact upon the staff because, yeah. you know what, made a decision, it's not supported. Um, yeah, and as you said, the more noise, you just get a yes. Like you can just keep yeah. going till you get a yes. Like And, it, and no issue with get things getting reviewed. Mm. Things get reviewed all the time. Yeah. That's mm. part of it and that's part of being transparent. So, yeah. you know, if someone's dissatisfied with a decision, there's review mechanisms on all of that and we could check that. 
and if changes need to be made, they'll be made as well because if, you know, if we have to put our hand up from time to time and say, you know what, we could have done things better, mm. no problem. Yeah, um, but that's, that's just true. being honest about it. Mm. Um, and what we do do is like we get – once the staff come in, I, I, I make sure I attend all the staff inductions with my executive team and we have a discussion about, you know what, you're all employed with particular skills and expertise. Um, we need to build trust with the community. Um, that's one of the big things that I'm big on. They need to be honest with them. And it's okay to say no, but explain why. Mm. Simple as that. Mm. It, it, you say simple as that, but it's never as, as simple <laughs> oh. as that, is it? Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. You get sometimes I get the same inquiry over a number of years. Yeah. The messaging's um, difficult, but it, as long as it's consistent and to the point and everyone's on the same page, makes it a lot easier. In a perfect world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In a perfect world. And what like we look we look around this building, you look at this big shiny building that we're in and mm. like I'm more than proud to say we're the only merge council that have relocated to a new premise, mm. which is a big thing for us because um, you're sort of drawing staff from different buildings and you put them into one. So that's a big change for us. Mm-hmm. Um, really important that staff can work together and you can't do that if you're at various mm. workplaces. Yeah. So for us that's really big. Um, that's the job of putting processes and systems in place so people could do their job. Mm. That's part of sort of – my role was to make sure mm. those processes and systems and the infrastructure's there. wasn't there a few years ago, but when people drive past the building, people think, you know, we could have been here like, I don't know, we're an established council. Mm. We're not. People seem to forget we're only established in 2016. Yeah. We're relatively young and we'll merge, you know, Greater Taree, Gloucester and um, Great Lakes Council in 16 and then we took on a water authority, sorry, um, because it's all forced. Yeah, yeah. Like people might say it was all by agreement, but essentially it was a direction by the state. Yeah. Um, in 2017, the Water Authority came on board. So you go through one year of a merger journey, then you, you pretty much have to stop halfway in that first year. Start and, again. And start again. Mm. So it really kicked off from 2017 and it's not that long ago when it came together. So we've got our building. Mm. So we've got accommodation sorted and that's a big thing. Mm. And the funding strategy and all of that, all that happened and that, that went really, that's gone really well. But it's more the processes and systems, IT, to make sure we could support, you know, um, the staff to deliver benefits for the community and that's the body of work that we're still doing now. And Because you're coming with four different IT systems, four different ways of doing things and you might think, oh, just pick one and that's enough. But it's not because you're picking – You've got all the old data and everything as well. You've oh, got to figure that out. And it's, yeah, that was difficult. Get and or get people to use it. 100%. Mm. But it's not just picking the best out of the four – because the best out of the four might have been for a small organisation. Mm. So, like, this is like going from, I don't know, like local rugby union to – or local rugby mm. league to play in the NRL. Like, yeah. we're a big player now. We're one of the largest councils yeah. in the state. Um, we've got super budget, um, massive capital works program we need to deliver. Mm-hmm. But people seem to think that on day one we're good to go. We're yeah. just not. Um, yeah. And that's a constant sort of um, – dilemma for us because we talk about internally about being better every day and it's not about to be honest it's not about making staff do more and you want to work to your capacity but it's about providing infrastructure and systems so as an organization we could provide better services to the community and we're doing you know it upgrades and the like to help us do that use our data to make decisions because we're not a lot of us reactive so mm. people come in and lodge a complaint or lodge a request and we re- react to it we we can't just pull up on our system yet we've got that you know, we've been out there four times in whenever. 
Um, it takes us too long to get that mm. type of information. So we need to improve our systems to help our staff. Yeah. Yeah, I, we changed our CRM internally in our company maybe two or three years ago. It was incredibly difficult, really hard to manage it across and we, we were at that time, we're talking about a, a company of we probably had five field technicians and, <laughs> and two <laughs> admin. Like it, I, I couldn't imagine trying to implement um, IT at a scale like that no. and, and trying to make the decision right and because you can't, uh, I, I'd, I'd imagine even you guys don't have the budget to create your own system that works perfectly for your council and certainly in small business you, you that's a pipe dream that's never yep. going to happen. So you have to try and grab a system that that functions best for what exactly you want and then Correct. modify everything else and try and find fixes and workarounds that work Correct. best for your business. And, and it's not it's easy to forget like, change management, right? So mm. like yeah. even moving to this building here, like you're relocating a heap of staff to a different space in a different working environment. So we don't have this, we're not traditional local government. Mm. We don't, you know, we're not wearing short sleeve shirts and a brown tie to work every day. And mm. we don't walk into a little, not everyone's got a little cubicle or office. Yeah. Um, it's a different type of working back there, activity-based working. So you work in teams. Um, it's not hot desking. Mm. People will say hot mm. desk. It's not. You work in your own environment with your team. And mm. um not everyone's got an office. Um, there's quiet spaces, there's quiet rooms and all of that. Mm. But it's a different way of working. So for traditional local government, that's a change. Mm-hmm. And we spent probably two years um, managing that change for staff. So when they came in January a couple of years ago, um, opened the doors, like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. Like, yeah. it, was, it was awesome. So, yeah. um, But that's that's a massive body of work. Likewise, with an IT change, like a significant one, I remember North Sydney, they did a – an upgrade to the IT system, so like it was going to look and feel differently. It was a major upgrade. The change management was a Friday afternoon. We were pulled into um, it was like a Pizza Hut little room, um, and we had an instructor out the front who was externally provided, and the instructor just ran through searches. <laughs> Everyone did everything at the same time. Red hot. Yeah, like, yeah. We could all do this. <laughs> yeah. Then it got flicked on on Monday. <laughs> Absolute shit no, show. Yeah, no, it's chaos. <laughs> chaos. You couldn't do that. Yeah. Like that's not how you do it. Like yeah. it takes time. You have to invest in it. Um, otherwise people are just finding workarounds mm. in front and center. And we're, we're finding that at the moment because we've we've jammed. We've got a, a new system but we're not getting the best, best out of it. So mm. we have to do that body of work to make mm. sure everyone uses it properly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly the same sort of stuff you want to do in a small business because, again, we take on a CRM that's built by someone. We, you know, we get them to modify it as much as we can to help it suit our business. But the main thing that we do is make sure that once we find a suit that suits our business is documented and everyone follows that exact same process. Yeah. Otherwise it becomes a right mess. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Back to the building quickly, sorry, Dawson. Because this, this was something that fascinated me. As soon as I got the chance, I'd done a tour and I, I probably got a bit lucky that with my career I get pretty good access to that stuff anyway. Um, but at the time I was deep into researching um, Steve Jobs' time at Pixar and and I was literally right into the point where he was building the new building and, and thinking of um, – the areas that staff would have to walk so that yep. they interact with different areas and so that the whole organisation sort of interacts together as one body rather than siloed individuals. Correct. And um, I also obviously was lucky enough to have worked in the previous buildings, all of them, all three that that have came into one and the difference in like, uh, you know, even if we say Pulteney Street, three tiers of, right. of 
um, yeah, the organizations. And then even within that, they all had doors and walls between themselves. Correct. And so I, I was really interested in how you could bring everyone together. They can still work independently, but there's a, a point at which through the day, almost everyone would have to bump across Correct. another part. Oh, it's, it's so, it's cool. It's the best. Hmm. Traditional local government is that. Like you could go to most council and you'll find there's a local there'll be like the corporate services then there'll be the town planners then there'll be the engineers mm. and they're not as much as everyone likes to think they work together they're not yeah. um they're butting heads all the time because yeah. everyone's always right yeah um planners think they're engineers mm. engineers think they're planners they're both great mm. but that's just how it rolls yeah. and everyone's pushing on to corporate mm-hmm. um as if like they're the police they're not they're, everyone's got their own role to play but that's pretty much traditional local government um across everywhere so when we have activity-based working, which we have here, which is pretty much open plan working your divisions and you've got collaboration spaces or the, you know, quiet spaces and we've got a ton of meeting rooms out there. It's a different way of working. So that's why we did that change management piece. When we were designing the building, we went through quite a few um, government organisations that have put this in place and sort of worked out what worked and what didn't. And there was, I won't say the organisation, but... There was one in the city that we looked at where they didn't do any change management. Um, they moved in and then they just started – and it was open. Then they started building offices and they had these collaboration <laughs> spaces that hadn't been used. Well, like a workspace, yeah. Or empty space. Yeah. But if you've got empty space, like, one, you've paid for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, it needs to be used. Yeah. And you need to get people together. And when we moved in here, we had staff that, you know, a lot of staff – because they're various divisions, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't know each other. Mm-hmm. They'd just been working a different building, and almost would have felt like the old organisations for a period of time, and they hadn't really come together. Yeah, they know their email signature, but yeah. not their. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know their face. Them. Yeah. they wouldn't know. It's like, man, like we're all pretty much. Mm. I'm going to say it, we're all half decent. Yeah, we're all yeah. pretty normal. Um, yeah. you know, we we do want, and I know we do as an organ. The staff do want to do the right thing by the community. They they just do. Mm. Um, we've seen that through natural disasters, and the staff turn up all the time. We want to do a good job. And that's sort of the backbone to it. So, like, once, they, once they're all here, there's more of an opportunity to bump into each other, have a chat, get to know each other. Then when you're into the work, mm. you're going to collaborate better because there's not this war between us. Or, well, it's a real person then, isn't 100%. it? It's not just an email signature or, you know, Becky from accounting. Correct. <laughs> it's well, Becky from the lunchroom. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. All you know, if I was based in, I worked in all the offices, but there'll be staff that would have been predominantly based in Tari, Foster, or Gloucester. Mm. Like, oh, to arrange a meeting, you're waiting two weeks for something that's relatively simple. Yeah. Right? yeah. Whereas you know the system we've got now is not that we're tracking staff, but you can find the staff where they're seated, mm-hmm. um, quite easily, um, and then go out, mm. have a chat. Sort it yeah. out. Things are resolved a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Now we've got a stack of work to do. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah, yeah, we always do. But it's better than where we were. Like a hell of a lot better than where mm. we were. I imagine there's um, pretty heavy work from home stuff, protocols, availability for employees now. Yeah. Yeah, there is. We've got a flexible working arrangement mm-hmm. set up. Um, <laughs> it's funny because COVID sort of pushed that. We, yeah. we had it in place anyway. Yeah. But change when it's – there's no other options quite easy. Yeah. <laughs> so um, a lot of the staff, you know, were keen on working from home as well. So we facilitated that as long as you have a work from home agreement yeah. and you can monitor it, that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, parts of the mid-case aren't great on IT or yeah. we know like the Wi-Fi is yeah, yeah, rubbish yeah. in places. So some staff just couldn't, so they yeah. had to come in. But, yeah, we had flexible working arrangements in place. A lot of our staff were coming into the office though. Um, 
it's better. Yeah. It's I think a lot of the time it can be healthier. Yeah. Um, because everyone when I do not COVID was like a lot of it was just isolating. But um we're sort of back we are back to normal anyway now. And we do have that flexible working arrangement in place and we support all of that. Mm. Yeah, because those two arrangements are completely opposed. They're they're black and white work from home with no collaboration and no central lunchroom and Correct. versus the idea of the building and 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 how it's working. I'm, I'm probably um, more in favour of in-house working just because it's been proven it works so well if for no other reason but new people into the company, getting to know older people and being able to be coached and, and yep. sort of managed through. Yep. Cool. Um, do you think that that's had an impact on the organisation, the work from home? Availability? Um, I think it's possible. It's important that you provide a flexible workplace because you want to get as much talent as you can. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. and we all know it's hard to get people to work in regional New South Wales. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's important to have a flexible workplace to so offer that environment for staff. So mm-hmm. all for that, where the coming to the office works better is because we get customers that come in putting requests. Mm-hmm. So if I want to work from home arrangement and someone comes to the front counter and asks for asks for something or whatever the request is. Customer service staff will reach out to the staff out here more than likely. Staff out the back come in and help. Mm-hmm. If you're working from home, you're not you're not part of that conversation at all. Yeah. At all. Now, it's just how that's just the yeah, reality yeah. of it. Um, so yeah, you always you're probably going to get more coming into the workplace, mm. but there will be times having a flexible arrangement where you need to be working from home. You need that extra space. You need to get some stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Um, the building does cater for that though, so we've got quiet spaces, quiet yeah. rooms. Knock yourself out. Yeah. Um, so there's different ways of working. Yeah, because I do love that. Sorry, Dan, yeah. about the out the back being able to have those locations where you can still jump away and do what you need, hammer out what you need to without distraction. Yeah, and what the fear was, so we did a lot of change management. So the fear was, like the um, organisation in the city, everyone was jumping into a quiet room and calling it in an office. Mm. Uh, the quiet rooms you can't book out, but if you walk into the back of house here, you'll find that the quiet rooms aren't all utilised. So it means that staff are using their spaces like they're meant to and when they need to use a quiet room, they'll go to a quiet room and use it. So that, that's really worked. Yeah. The other thing I want to unpack a little bit more there was that transition from North Sydney to here. Like, you know, what made that decision? Yeah, what, what was uh, the thought process behind that one? Oh, the thought process was I wanted to lead an organisation yeah. and me cases bring it. Like yeah. as an area... Like honestly, outside of work, it's like you've retired, mm-hmm. and I look younger than what I am, so that's that's pretty cool as well. So it looks like I've retired, like as a punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's um, outside of work is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And as a newly merged council, there's nothing but opportunity, yeah, because we're building something right. And like I said, there's a stack of stuff that we have to improve and get better on. It's easier to do that if you're relatively new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, as opposed to an old stable yeah, organisation. Yeah. So that's part of the fun part too, isn't it? That yeah. that yeah. You know, if you, if you got here and there was nothing to do, then you, you'd be a little bored. Well, there was none of none of the executive would have had the opportunity to be involved in, mm. and even the elected body, like naming the building Yalawanyiganya, like that's mm. a that's a once in a career opportunity. Relocating mm. to a central premise, redesigning how we work, they're all things that just don't, never happens in mm. local government. Like yeah, honestly, yeah. doesn't happen. But they're the opportunities that come up because mm. it's a newly merged council and then you need to put in change. Now, change is difficult and it's, it is a bit taxing and but you have to put the work in. But they, that's just the opportunity. And mm. work's the same for everyone. Some days are harder than others. That's You get paid for that. So yeah. that's, part of the, that's part of the role. But outside of work, it's you would be nowhere else. Mm. Honestly, it's 
that's it, the best. And mm. we all know, like we've got people that come up and you guys will have it as well. Every time there's a week, long weekend or something, everyone's trying to clamor to come up to our joints. Yeah. You know, um, sniff it out mm-hmm. while we're trying to boot them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I imagine through the change that was net positive, but they, and you said that it gives you the ability to attract other talent. Undoubtedly there was talent lost through that because people weren't as receptive to change. What sort of impact did that have? How did you deal with it? What? Yeah, we had – there was a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't like we're moving next week. Mm-hmm. Staff had several years to know that we're going to make the move. Mm-hmm. So we would have lost some talent once we moved because they probably gave it a go and tried and they didn't like it. That's mm. the net effect of that. But we didn't lose a whole heap of talent because of it mm-hmm. um, because there's such long period of time between – consultation with staff, bringing them along the journey, the change management process. So mm. we had um, many spaces set up in our former offices where staff can just jump on a workstation like we got the workstations back here with their team and see how that would work. So they had a fair idea what they were coming into. Mm-hmm. Um, when you walk through the door, it's much better workplace than any other local government authority. It just is like the way it's set up, it's ridiculously good. So, yeah, we would have lost some. We didn't lose that much because it was just a – period between start to move in was such a long period of time and staff were aware of the move. Yeah. And I imagine your opinion is that it was net positive. Yeah. It has to be net positive because um, we're working together. Like, you know, um, as simple as planners speaking to engineers, um, don't have to go between floors. Mm. Person's just over 10 metres away. Like that has to be better. Mm. Definitely opens a dialogue in between departments, which is often what the complaint is that, oh, you know, it's got to go to three or four different departments that don't even know each other, don't even talk. Yeah. So. And that's yeah. that's part of this. That's the stuff we have to work on as like councils mm. everywhere have to work on. Like we're really good at our own bit mm. and getting your own part of your own work, you know, collaborating with your peers, that's the bit that we do struggle on and that's traditional local government. And we're trying to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that is that is the work environment helps. So that's providing some infrastructure, and education and systems will will take us there as well. You said that you have your scheduled meetings with the team, that sort of stuff. What else do you guys have in place to try and manage or interact or lead such a mobile or um, separated workforce? Because that's something that always interests me because we're, again, quite a small organisation, but we've got 10 of us that are mobile. Yeah. Um, and some of, some of my team, I, I will see it at monthly meetings and that's it. And if we didn't have monthly meetings, I, you know, it could be six to eight weeks before I'd see them. Yeah. So we, we're very strict on having monthly meetings where everyone turns up. There's no Unless you're on leave, there's no reason to not be there. Um, but it's, all, it's something that's really difficult to do and I think people don't put enough... Um, thought into something like Mid Coast Council. Again, we've got 10,000 square kilometres and and people based everywhere. You don't get to see them. You don't get to manage them that way. So I'd imagine that you have some tools or processes that you use for that. There's two bits to that. There's one, yeah, the the actual meetings that you have at various levels, they're they're constant. That's information getting fed down from various levels to the staff. That's that's the easier bit. Mm -hmm. The harder bit is the keeping staff informed on the day-to-day of, of the going-ons because mm. what you do want is, and I do, I'm proud to work at the council. I'm proud to work in local government. It's a conscious choice that I made. Mm-hmm. I like walk, I like driving to work and looking at some of the work we've done. Um, if there's things that need fixing, 
like the fact that we can fix them. And sometimes if we can't fix them, we'll have to explain why. Mm. I enjoy all that. Um, I want my staff to be proud of what we do. Mm. And the way that the best way we could do that is make sure staff are informed of the services that we provide. Um, and that's communication, um, making staff sort of computer literate to understand throughout the whole organisation, you know, the coming and goings, the everyday. So we do quite a bit of work for our outdoor staff to make sure they're up to speed on our intranet. Um, they could use a lot of our corporate systems and they feel part of the organisation because they are part of the organisation. It's not just that everyone in this building, um, this is wouldn't even be half the workforce. Mm. So everyone needs to be part of it. And that's the harder bit. Of, that's the harder bit. The meeting's easy because that could be an email, you know, um, you arrange your meetings mm. yeah. regularly, regularly. So that's easy. Yeah. It's keeping you running from day to day. So I want my staff to say, well, yeah, you know what? Um, road staff, we know what work's going on there. Should be nice and transparent. We report it to a council meeting every month. Um, this is what's happening in water. Or we've got an event going on. Like, you know, if I work in roads, wouldn't it be great for them to say, yep, we've got a, a mech, we've got a, the mech mm. facility, these are the events going on. Because mm. um, we do, a, we, we might provide over 100 services, you know, like yeah. it's a massive amount of work. That's all um, sort of push notifications as in, I suppose, top-down um, communication. What what measures do you have in place for bottom-up, like the, to get that feedback? Because that's the bit that I always struggle with and always worry that we're not doing enough is yep. mm. like is there stuff going on that we don't know about just because we don't get that, you know, that lunchtime conversation of, oh, you know, this keeps happening every day. Yeah, it, that's an issue because we we do culture surveys. Mm. Everyone like you either do a satisfaction survey or do a culture yeah. survey. So mm -hmm. I could do a staff satisfaction survey and that would say, you know, I need a vending machine or I won't say I need more car parking spaces because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an old right. master's building to <laughs> yeah. for car parking. <laughs> and I could provide more parking, I could provide a, vend a vending machine and that ticks satisfaction. Or you could do a culture survey. So a culture survey is really a measure of how we go about our business. Mm -hmm. For us, and we've, we, we're redoing it now mm. and that will break it down to actual teams. So... How do we go about our business? What's our initial reaction? And what come what comes up is how do we get the bottom up, <laughs> you know, um, feedback and <laughs> integrate that. And yeah. that that is that will come up time and time again. But we put in action so we could use that information and improve. Yeah. But it is a it is a bit of um that will come up. It yeah. is an issue. I just find it's really difficult. We have um, I was talking to some friends about it on the weekend. But we got at least four or five different contact points, and again, very small compared with like we have uh, maybe fourteen employees, and you guys are a thousand something like that, I believe. Yeah. Like, it, and even that's hard to get that feedback to come through with four or five. So you think for every employee we got, for every two employees we got one touch point that they yeah. could use, and and some of the stuff is mandatory. You must fill this in every week for whatever reason. Yeah. It's, it might be a checklist for their week, and. And one of the things is how are you feeling? Is there anything we can do to improve? Yep. And it's still hard to get that feedback. Yep. So I just, I, I, yeah, I don't know what that what that solution is or what that answer yeah. is and I'd hate to um, be no, doing it at the level you're doing. Yeah, so the structure is just the answers you've meetings. That's your formal yeah. response. Mm -hmm. But the more difficult response is culturally having an organisation where staff are empowered to make a contribution mm. and feel, and feel like, like they, can. they can. And, again, if the answer is no, well, we can't explain why yeah. so it's, that's the harder bit yeah and i'm that's stuff that that's work that has to still happen and it's happening but yeah i reckon like everywhere you could always be better at that. yeah and that's I, mean, hard. I guess that that's probably the winning answer too is being able to explain why something didn't happen because you say empowerment as in 
let them say something and and show them that saying something will get a result. Um, but getting a result, it might not be the best answer. So being able to communicate back to them why yeah. that result wasn't achieved. Well, sometimes not every idea has not every idea has to be a good idea as well. Mm. So like you know. It, even good ideas may not be able to be executed for particular reasons. Just yeah. explaining it, yeah, yeah, um, and making sure staff are able to put their hand up and ask for help, um, because that's another thing. So traditional local government, I just want to do my job, mm-hmm. leave me alone. Um, I'll just conform, you know, keep my head down, and everything will be okay. Well, that's not really the environment that we want. We mm. want to have an environment where yeah, you do your job, you do it well. We want to work in a team and want to be better. Mm. And like I said earlier, better is more about systems and processes than squeezing more out of an individual because yeah. that's just going to burn people out. Yeah. So um, as long as you can provide the infrastructure so people can be better, um, I think we'll be a bit more successful. Yeah, cool. Wrap um, it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on to our, our last question. We'd like to ask everyone that if we get you back on the podcast in five years or when we get you back on the podcast in five <laughs> years, what is it you'd like to be talking about? I'd like to be talking about... I want to be in a position where our systems and processes are just much better. There's a there's a greater level of trust on what we deliver for the community and our response times are, are better. So what we're good at at the moment is we customer request system. So if it's a simple request, bang, no worries. The harder stuff, where that could take us too long. So, yeah, what I'll be, what I'll be talking about is our, our systems and processes lead to better community outcomes. Mm. And our, we use our data to make decisions. Yeah. So. That's that's the biggest thing. Excellent. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Appreciate folks. It. Enjoy.